I think it's a little too much, but if I think if I'm in the water, it's going to be okay. Tonight, the number one way to beat the heat on what may be the hottest day of the year. Plus, I thought I'd never get it, to be honest. A cautionary tale to young partiers from a 26-year-old whose post-COVID life may never be the same. And I'll take an apology anytime, Mr. Reynolds. The unintended consequences of Ryan Reynolds' tweet to the premier that included a reference to a classic movie. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. A not so fun day for the 2,000 or so British Columbians in self-isolation. Many parts of southern B.C. baked under the hot sun today in what may be the hottest day of the season so far and perhaps of this year. As Paul Johnson reports, many people took advantage of the soaring temperatures to hit the water, including Paul. Standing watch at Vancouver's Kitsilano Beach Sunday. If this wasn't the summer's record for swimmers in the water, it was certainly close. Though cooler than places inland, coastal areas were still hot enough to inspire this idea for the afternoon. Gonna go for a swim, of course. And it's not just Vancouver. Every body of water in the area is busy right now. It's a great way to cool off and social distance. After a summer that got off to a cool and drizzly start, Sunday's temperature spike brought the heat that sun worshippers have longed for. Here's how things turned out in the Okanagan. Heat warning in effect across the Okanagan, all courtesy of a strong ridge of high pressure that's been building across the province over the weekend. Now, the hottest day for the Okanagan will be for today. Temperatures into the mid and upper 30s, and overnight lows will be closer to 20 degrees. <laughs> I'm laughing. You're laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hot, but that, 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 that's okay. Hailing from the tropical climes of Reunion Island, this fellow knows a thing or two about staying cool and happy. Though not everyone might want to hear about his method. No alcohol. No, no, no alcohol. Spending as much time as possible at the beach. Uh, my apartment gets super hot because it's south-facing, so I just don't stay inside. But this is all expected to be short-lived, with the forecast calling for cooler temperatures tomorrow and the heat wave petering out entirely by midweek. So if hot sand under your feet is your thing, get to the beach while it lasts. Okay. It's got to be in the water when it's this hot. In Kitsilano, Paul Johnson, Global News. And it's even hotter in the southern interior, with Environment Canada issuing a heat warning for the B.C. interior. At about noon in Kelowna, the mercury had already soared to 30 degrees. The extreme heat prompted B.C. Hydro to cancel a planned power outage in West Kelowna in order to meet the increased demand on power. And as with the coast, many flocked to the beach. What do you think about the heat? I have no problem with it. I'm in the shade. Get me to 42. Beautiful. I love it. She doesn't. <laughs> as long as we got water, we're good. Water was definitely the way to stay cool. The lineup for paddleboard rentals was very long. And the water mister at a local pub was also very popular. The extreme temperatures have the B.C. Wildfire Service on even higher alert than normal. Crews have responded to a wildfire on the eastern edge of Kokanee Glacier Provincial Park, southwest of Caslow. Plumes of smoke could be seen in the area and along Highway 31. There's no threat to surrounding communities. 
More scenes like these are being posted to social media. Dozens of partygoers, this time at Vancouver's Wreck Beach last night. A witness says he noticed some police officers but didn't see any enforcement action. We all, we all suffer, not just certain people. And they need to notice that and realize, realize that themselves. And I'm, and I'm hoping that the government can some way find these people, let them know that, yeah, this is not acceptable. Any new case numbers from this weekend's partying won't be reflected at tomorrow's provincial pandemic briefing. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, we are expecting higher case numbers tomorrow. Indeed we are, Colleen. No reason to expect anything other than that. We've been tracking at more than 80 cases a day for the last few days. At a time, remember, we were going 10 a day just a few weeks ago. Uh, just as a reminder of where we can be headed, uh, potentially, just check the numbers in Washington State. For the last three days in Washington State, they've had more than 40 people died. In a, re a reminder of what the last few cases, though, the last 247 cases of the last three days look like in terms of some of the demographics. 50% of them uh, were cases that are located in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region. That's different than what we saw a few weeks ago when Fraser was the epicenter of the of our pandemic. 35% of the cases are people aged between 20 and 29. 29. That's a trend that's been starting uh, for a few weeks now. And the second most populous age group is the those aged 30 to 39, 29% of the cases there. So Colleen, very interesting that again, we're seeing, I think we're going to be reflected tomorrow again, more people under the age of 40 contracting, uh, testing positive for the disease. There's, uh, that age cohort gathers in indoor gatherings at much greater numbers than other ages, and that's why I think you're seeing a higher case uh, count with them. And I expect Vancouver Coastal to, to again dominate the numbers. But again, it'll be interesting. It's going to come out at 3 o'clock tomorrow. We'll see if all that uh, partying it continues to show a spike in COVID-19 numbers. We do expect that to happen. Of course, that comes out at 3 o'clock tomorrow. We'll be carrying it live on BC1. And of course, you and I will be on afterwards to drill down deep and analyze the numbers. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. And as Keith just mentioned, transmission is highest right now among young people, many of whom think they are immune to serious infection. But tonight, we're hearing from a 26-year-old who certainly shouldn't have ended up in hospital, but did. Sarah McDonald has his cautionary tale. As the prime demographic for new confirmed COVID cases across the province shifts from seniors in care homes to young adults flouting public health orders in plain sight, one of the province's youngest critically ill pandemic patients is speaking out. I mean, I never thought I would get it, so anything is possible, right? At just 26 years old, Vince Lee found himself intubated in an induced coma and fighting for his life in March in critical care at Royal Columbian Hospital for weeks. And even now, months after being discharged, his road to recovery is still far from over. I couldn't talk for a couple of weeks, you know, just due to my throat being wide <laughs> opened up. And having my lungs overworked also brought me back to, to being, you know, unfit. Something Lee isn't used to. A fitness instructor and a competitive mixed martial artist with no underlying health conditions besides type 2 diabetes, which he'd long managed through diet and exercise. That was before his immune system collided with coronavirus. 
the young people do get quite sick with this, and we it's well recognized that that young people do get admitted to ICUs, and sadly, some young people actually die from this. This is a, a call out to Deadpool right now. Uh, Ryan, we need your help up here. A message provincial officials are also trying to get across, appealing to homegrown celebrities to use their star power to reach the irresponsible. And they probably don't know that that thousands of young people aren't just getting sick from coronavirus, that they're, they're also dying from it too. It's not only confirmed cases in young patients surging province-wide, but hospitalizations too. At least 16 patients under 30 landing in hospital. You know, I'm still recovering uh, at the process. Five of them, including Lee, in intensive care. Sarah McDonald, Global News. After the health minister warned of a crackdown this weekend on banquet hall rule breakers, at least one Surrey owner says that he's been visited by bylaw officers several times. The owner of Ultimate Banquet Hall says he welcomes the visits as he's following the guidelines put in place by the province to reduce the risk of COVID-19. Among the rules, every event must have fewer than 50 people. There must be physical distancing measures and no dancing is allowed. We do all these precautions, right? And there are people that break the rules, and it's very wrong, you know. People out there, they should not break the rules, you know, for their own safety, for other people's safety. And it gives people like us who do everything by, by the orders, uh, gives us a bad name. Many banquet hall owners say they want the province to allow them to have more than 50 people inside, as some of their venues have 3,000-person capacities. But BC health officials have not budged on that restriction. A staff member at Vancouver's Arbutus Care Centre is now self-isolating at home after testing positive for COVID-19. The long-term care facility near Shaughnessy has implemented new restrictions since Friday's outbreak. Along with enhanced cleaning, residents will now receive their meals in their rooms and all recreation activities have been cancelled. Staff are screened before and after shifts and residents are being closely monitored for symptoms. And Fraser Health says a staff member at Sorney Alzheimer's Center has tested positive for COVID-19. The BC Conservation Service says its officers are seeing a rise in calls involving outdoor scoff laws. The violations include illegal hunting in recreation sites and trails, off-road vehicle use and garbage dumping. The increase in carelessness may be due to more people heading outdoors during the pandemic. Crews are continuing to patrol environmentally sensitive areas, including fish and wildlife habitats, to ensure public safety. Abbotsford police are appealing for witnesses and dash cam video after an apparent random sex assault. It happened at around 1.15 Saturday morning near South Fraser Way on the 2600 block west of West Berkwin Crescent. Police say a woman approached a patrol officer and said she'd been sexually assaulted by a stranger. It's believed several vehicles drove past the victim as she tried to flag down help. The suspect is described as a white male, approximately 30 to 35 years old, 5 feet to 5, 6 inches tall, with sandy dark brown hair, a scruffy patchy beard, and partially rotten teeth. He was wearing a white t-shirt and black pants. He fled on a bike. The victim was treated in hospital and released. The Public Health Agency of Canada says 100 more people have become ill from salmonella contamination linked to a recall of U.S.-grown onions, bringing the total number of confirmed cases to 339. The agency says no deaths have been reported, but 48 people have been hospitalized. The majority of cases are in Alberta. B.C. has 78 reported cases. 
People should not eat, use, sell, or serve any red, white, yellow, and sweet onions from Thompson International of Bakersfield, California, or any products made with these onions. A Vancouver Island resident has been charged under the Wildlife Act after a fawn was allegedly held captive at a home in the Comox Valley. The fawn was seized from a Cumberland home Wednesday after a complaint from the public. The BC Conservation Service says a resident has been charged with unlawful, unlawfully possessing wildlife and targeted, ticketed rather, $345. The fawn is being checked out and will be rehabilitated if deemed healthy enough. Get off the road. Poor bear. A Langley family returning from the Yukon earlier this week encountered quite a sight on the Stuart Cassiar <laughs> Highway. Seward oh, says that her son captured this rolling bear on Highway 37 before Cassiar rubbing his nose and scratching itself in the middle of the road. At one point, it got down on all fours and rolls along the pavement. When it looks up and sees the vehicle, it scurries off into the woods. Dozens gathered at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon to protest China's new national security law over Hong Kong. The crowd demonstrated against Article 38, which criminalizes any dissent or criticism of the Chinese regime, no matter where that person may live. Protesters are urging Canada to offer a safe harbor program to anyone from Hong Kong who is at risk of political persecution. Similar rallies were planned for across Canada. A Vancouver family is speaking out, concerned their loved one was attacked because of her ethnicity. The Filipino woman who was out and about doing her shopping was randomly shoved. And as Grace Key reports, the shocking assault was all caught on camera. If you look at the very top of the screen, you see a woman getting shoved as she's putting groceries away in her car. The suspect calmly walks down the street and looks back before she's out of view. It was intentional because, as you can see from the video, the sidewalk was quite wide. She uh, came closer to my aunt uh, rather than going away from her, and then she just shoved her. Uh, there was uh, some words that she said as she walked away. Well, I don't know, my aunt was in shock at the time. It happened on the morning of August 8th on Victoria Drive. The 61-year-old alleged victim did not want to go on camera out of fear. She was not physically hurt, but she's been too scared to go back to the area where she does her grocery shopping. Even living in a multicultural society like Vancouver, um, we, we experienced racism before, but we didn't expect to be physically assaulted at this extent. The family believes it was a racially motivated attack due to the growing anti-Asian violence during the pandemic. My family works on the front lines against this pandemic, so it's, a, it's kind of um, disheartening to see that uh, people just see your race now. They don't even see what you do for the community anymore. The family was able to get this security footage from the grocery store. They've reported the incident to Vancouver police and the case is now under investigation. Grace Key, Global News. Vancouver police now say it's unclear at this time if the assault was racially motivated, adding that the file remains open and under investigation. Well, here's something you haven't likely seen for quite a while. Musicians performing for a live audience. A trombone duo from the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra performed in the fresh alpine air atop Grouse Mountain today. 
As you can see, the crowd was small and spaced out. The pandemic has been very hard on members of the VSO. In fact, this was their first live performance in about five months. It's really rewarding and it's just heartwarming that we can finally connect in person and see people's faces and uh, actually talk with them. Of course, at a safe distance, but yeah, it's, it's really special. And of course, Grounds Mountain, Mountain is a special place to play. It's a fantastic place to play. I've never done a concert up here, only gone skiing, but uh, I think it serves the purpose. The Canada Revenue Agency has shut down online services after thousands of accounts were breached in cyber attacks. Anyone trying to log into the CRA accounts or their CRA account is met with this message telling them the service is not available. Now, that means that right now, Canadians are not able to apply online for emergency COVID-19 funding, including the Canada Emergency Student Benefit. Hackers were able to access about 5,500 CRA and more than 9,000 GC key accounts using a technique called credential surfing. It relies on databases of previously stolen login information. One of two Canadians killed in that massive blast in Beirut earlier this month has been identified. Three-year-old Alexandra Najjar died in hospital from a head injury she suffered during the explosion. Today, Global News spoke to the young girl's grandfather who lives near Beirut and raced to be by her side in hospital. Michael Awad says that his granddaughter was at home with her mother. They were living in a building that faces the port and were blown away by the force of the blast. He also revealed the family was preparing to move back to Montreal later this year. They were already planning to move to Montreal by the end of September and, and, and unfortunately happened uh, this explosion before that. They were blown from their place and she couldn't hold Alexandra anymore. They were, you know, under doors, piano, and uh, and they rushed her to the hospital. Uh, she had a severe injury in her head. And they did all they can. There is another growing controversy ahead of November's U.S. presidential election. There are reports the U.S. Postal Service is removing mail sorting machines. Today, Donald Trump denied his administration was deliberately trying to undermine the Postal Service's operations at a time when demand for mail-in ballots is surging due to the pandemic. As Jennifer Johnson reports, it's all happening on the eve of the Democrats' national convention. Top Democrats are sounding the alarm and returning to Washington August 24th, hoping to question Postmaster General Louis DeJoy after allegations mail sorting machines are being removed from post offices ahead of November's election. Millions of mail-in ballots are expected to be cast due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the last thing we should be doing is politicizing the Postal Service. DeJoy, a top Trump campaign donor, was appointed by U.S. President Donald Trump in May. In June, postal workers reported some machines were being removed, with hundreds more slated to go. White House officials are now making this pledge. There's no sorting machines that are going offline between now and the election. The U.S. Postal Service Inspector General has also launched an investigation into the controversy. Even some Republicans are concerned about possible voter suppression. We want people to vote. It is essential, in my view, for a nation which is the leading nation of democratic nations in the world, the leader of the free world, for us to show that elections can be held in a free and fair manner. The issue igniting Democrats as they begin their virtual national convention Monday, formally nominating Democrats Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to try and take back the White House. We have got to do everything we can to come together to defeat Donald Trump 
who in my view is the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country. Sanders and former First Lady Michelle Obama are the keynote speakers Monday night. Biden speaks Thursday night, likely focusing on President Trump's mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has killed over 170,000 Americans so far and plunged the U.S. into its worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Tens of thousands of anti-government protesters gathered in the capital of Belarus today for a nationwide march for freedom. Protesters near Victory Park chanted, leave and long live Belarus. Participants were cons contesting the results of presidential elections last week that handed a sixth term to authoritarian ruler Alexander Lukashenko. Similar marches were reported in other large cities across the country. It was billed as the largest protest in Belarus's history and began just hours after President Lukashenko addressed a crowd of supporters at another square in the city. Thousands of protesters in Israel outside the official residence of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, resuming their calls for him to step down despite his historic agreement to establish diplomatic ties with the United Arab Emirates. For weeks, people have been protesting his handling of the pandemic and saying he should not remain in office while on trial for corruption charges. It's been a hard day on the fire lines across the western U.S. Several fires are burning out of control, fueled by dry brush and triple-digit heat. And in California, lightning strikes spark new flames. Wild, wild weather in the west. Lightning strikes from a summer thunderstorm lit up the sky in northern California and sparked at least eight fires. And for the first time in history, the National Weather Service issued a fire tornado warning. The heat from the Loyalton fire near the California-Nevada border, as seen in this time-lapse video, extreme enough to create its own weather conditions. And in Southern California, authorities are looking for this man, suspected of starting the Ranch 2 fire, which has driven hundreds from their homes. In Los Angeles, the inferno at Lake Hughes has scorched nearly 18,000 acres. It's hot, uh, incredibly hot. Firefighters are working very hard out there, but they're, they're taking uh, appropriate safety precautions. Hundreds of firefighters working in dangerous conditions, charged with keeping themselves safe. Oh my God. While also protecting others. Heat plays a, a huge factor in fire behavior. And after nearly two decades, Californians are facing rolling blackouts, the record-breaking heat stressing the state's electrical grid and causing hundreds of thousands to lose power. Knowing that the heat is just going to get worse um, in the coming days, that I think was the scariest thing. With no relief in sight, the city of Los Angeles is trying to help the most vulnerable by opening cooling centers. But due to the pandemic, space is limited. In Australia, a man sprung into action, jumping off his surfboard and repeatedly punching a shark to save his wife. The shark attack happened Saturday at Shelley Beach on the north coast of New South Wales, a popular place to swim and surf. The man punched the two to three meter great white several times in the face until it released the woman from its jaws. It hit her like, a, like with a force and threw off the board. And so you get this kind of like a punch or something. I just saw the water splash and punch and I knew instantaneously just from seeing other things like that so I just started paddling oh you see the mother of your child and your support everything that's who you are and so you just react 
The 35-year-old woman was airlifted to hospital with severe cuts to her right calf and back of her thigh, but will make a full recovery. What is going on here? A cow emerges from the ocean in Ireland. We're going to have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, you have to see this. So it's how you put on a mask. All you do is just go like that and find your ear and put it um, behind your ear. Then you just go like that. Then you hold it a little bit with your mask. Then you go make sure it's on your nose. Then done. Well done indeed. Toronto engineer and teacher Vernon Key posted this adorable video of his four-year-old daughter showing kids and adults alike how to properly put on a face mask. She's preparing to go to junior kindergarten. The post has already received more than 225,000 views since Thursday. Yvonne, I kept on thinking of you. It's like kind of like a little mini you. Oh, and I just think that my heart's melting just watching that video. It's just so cute. She could she could do more COVID-related videos too. Yes, Maybe please. the social distancing she's got. I don't know. She's going to have tons of views. I'm going to start a channel for her. All right. Thanks, Colleen. And good evening, everyone. Hot, hot, hot. Temperature soaring today. Several temperature records fell across the province. Here's a quick glance at what it looks like outside there overlooking English Bay. Hot spot across the province today, for example, Lytton. These are unofficial numbers, but just to give you an idea, over 40 degrees, 41 degrees. The old record was 40 back in 2008. Penticton soaring today, areas near Chilliwack and stretching into the Fraser Valley. The Fraser Valley with the humidex today was feeling closer to 40 degrees. A quick glance, Squamish today, another hot one, closer to 34 degrees, a new record for West Van, White Rock, Vancouver Harbor. We typically don't see that, but 30.4, the old record, 1967. So we saw several fall today. The old one was back, or was 30 degrees rather. Out of the airport, though, we were up to 28 degrees. The Humidex, though, it was a hot one. Areas away from the water, especially into the Fraser Valley, feeling closer to 40 degrees. There is a reprieve on the way for those who are looking for a bit of a break, and I'll have more in just a moment. Heat warnings that are currently in effect across the central interior, the Oak Okanagan Valley will still see the mid and upper 30s, but it'll be a touch cooler in comparison today. The Fraser Canyon will be concerned, pushing closer to 40 degrees, 40 degrees, but most areas across the south coast, it's really away from the water, will be still pushing closer to 30 degrees and with the Humidex as well for tomorrow. We can see that on the temperature trend. Still a couple of more warm days. Big change will be on the way. A transition on Wednesday and then cooling off with even the chance of showers for Thursday, Friday. Kelowna soaring over the next two days, for example, for the southern interior. And then a break on the way towards the end of the week, just below 30 degrees. Air quality advisor has been issued with the hot and humid conditions. Metro Vancouver, as well as the Fraser Valley. Included within that, we've got high levels of air pollution and high concentrations of ground-level ozone. So those with respiratory issues will want to take care and caution over the next couple of days. This is expected to last until Monday and potentially longer, so we'll be tracking these conditions. Update on the fire danger rating. Uh, please be diligent with your campfires and disposing of your cigarette butts. The southern half of the province underneath orange, that's where we're seeing high, and a few areas even popping up now with extreme. We're not tracking any precipitation, especially for the southern interior. One other spot across the province, though, the northern half, we are looking at another wave that is pushing in heavy at times, especially overnight and for the early morning hours. Now we've got a weak frontal system for the south coast. We've got a bit of a blip this evening. Overnight, we've got cloud cover, even a slight chance of a shower. Marine air is going to push in along the south coast and then ease off towards the afternoon tomorrow. The afternoon, though, for the southern interior, lots of instability with even the risk of thunderstorms. So we are looking at rain across the north coast. 
central and southern interior, that's where you have the risk of thunderstorms popping up. So a big concern, especially with the hot and dry conditions and a few isolated showers. Whistler, it'll be soaring 30 degrees as the high, but it is going to be a touch cooler over the next few days, a bit of a reprieve from the heat, and then a big change on the way, especially as we approach Thursday, Friday with the chance of showers, but still another hot one for tomorrow. Colleen? We'll be ready for a cool down by then. Yes. Thank you. A very strange scene at a beach in Ireland's northwest coast. A cow emerging from the sea. Look at the cow. There it is, the baffling bovine. For beachgoers, this is weird. Wanders out of the water and then onto the sand before hoofing it away. It's suspected the animal was cut off from a small island when the tide came in, so it made a break for the mainland. The bizarre situation was said to be quite amusing for everyone who took in the spectacle. Yes, utterly amazing. You're milking it, aren't you, Colleen? <laughs> Thank you, Barry. I just thought I'd add one more really bad one just to put it Ding. that to <laughs> Nicely done, nicely We're done. done. Many of us grew up with them in one form or another, the popsicle. And fair to say, most of us take the summertime treat for granted. But that attitude might change when you learn the history of this oh-so-cool childhood memory maker. Nancy Giles of CBS brings us the story. Yum, yum. Popsicle is pure. Yum. Popsicle is wholesome. Yum. Popsicle On a hot summer day, who doesn't like a popsicle? It's popsicle! Yes, it's delicious popsicle. In the back but did you know the original popsicle sprang from the mind of a 10-year-old boy named Frank Epperson? Back in 1905, on an unusually cold San Francisco night, he had uh, some kind of soda mix in a glass, and for experimental reasons, he decided to leave it out on the porch overnight. Kathleen Epperson and, is Frank's granddaughter. In the morning when he came out, it was frozen solid, and so he took it out, and that was the beginning of the popsicle. He would have to grow up before he patented the idea. Yes, the popsicle had a patent in 1924. He called it Epsicle, Ep for Epperson, and Sickle because it looked like an icicle. But his four-year-old son, George, came up with a catchier name. So he ran up and he put his arms around his father's leg and he said, Pop! Pop, can I have a sickle? I want a popsicle. Oh, I love that. Frank took his popsicles to San Francisco's Neptune Beach, the Coney Island of the West. You know, each week it'd be a different kid going in and asking for a popsicle. And the guy would have to say, we don't sell popsicles. And then after several weeks of different kids asking for popsicles, my grandfather would go in and say, can I interest you in selling popsicles? That is marketing genius. Then the Great Depression hit, and he was forced to sell all his rights for $50,000. What I can tell you is that we make over 2 billion popsicles per year. Russell Lilly is a senior marketing director at Unilever, parent company of Good Humor Briars, which is the latest company to make popsicles. I have here one of your magical double pop. The Double Pop, once discontinued, now the height of cool. It's returned championed by the likes of Justin Bieber. Since there's no one in the room to share this with, I guess I'll have to have it myself. I won't tell anybody. 
Sylvester Stallone is giving a nod to Hope BC this weekend, where a new Rambo statue was unveiled on Friday. The actor posted these photos of the life-sized Rambo statue in downtown Hope. Rambo's first blood was, of course, filmed in the small Fraser Valley community back in 1982. Hope's Communities in Bloom raised $10,000 to commission the art, which was carved out of western red cedar by an Edmonton artist. The statue was welded onto, into place on concrete to make sure it stays there. Barry's here with sports, and Barry, I think a lot of folks are going to stay glued to their tubes this evening. <laughs> well, you know, the Canucks have been so, not only are they winning, but they've been so exciting and very entertaining and kind of uh, certainly exceeding expectations right now, but still a long way to go. Thanks, Colleen. We will uh, find out in about an hour if the Blues will have to fear the beard in tonight's Game 3. We expect Tyler Myers won't be able to go after suffering a shoulder injury late in Game 2. Jordy Ben would be the logical choice to replace him. Ben just got to Edmonton a week ago after going to Dallas to be with his wife for the birth of their child. He is a physical player with playoff experience, so we expect it would be Ben over the likes of rookie Ole Ulevi. Benner looks good. Yeah, I think uh, obviously it was an important time for him um, having a baby. And uh, he's been training hard since he's been gone. He skated on his own when he was gone. Uh, he's been skating hard since he got here. And um, if he's the guy that would go into the lineup, if there was a time where we needed a guy to go in, uh, got full confidence in him. Travis Green not giving up anything. Uh, earlier, Stars and Flames, Game 4, Dallas down two games to one, but veteran Joe Pavelski bringing it today. Snipes his second of the game, perfect shot, posting in past Cam Talbot, 2-1 Stars, but the Flames answer right back on the power play. Sam Bennett, who doesn't score a lot during the regular season, that is his fourth already. Rifles one past Anton Hudobin, a great shot there to make it 2-2, and then later in the period, Milan Lucic, who's played his best hockey in years in this playoff with the shot, Sam Bennett again buries the rebound. He's got five now, and the Flames led 3-2. Dallas tied it late second, but early third. Flames shorthanded. Great hustle by Derek Ryan. Spins and finds Toby Reeder for the redirect. Reeder has three playoff goals, all shorthanded. Flames lead 4-3. Dallas had a goal called back because of goalie interference, but in the dying seconds, it's Pavelski shoveling in the rebound for his hat-trick goal. Stars tie it 4-4. We need overtime. Dallas dominated the extra frame, peppering Cam Talbot, and it pays off. John Klingberg with the point blast. Dallas fired 62 shots on goal. Big win, 5-4 in overtime. Series now tied 2-2. Also in the West, Game 4, Vegas and Chicago. Golden Knights looking for the four-game sweep. Hawks get the early jump, already up 1-0. Matthew Highmore from behind the net banks it in off former Blackhawk goalie Robin Lehner. Lehner actually tried to lead, uh, head the puck away, but ended up scoring on himself. 2-0 Chicago, but Vegas got it right back 18 seconds later. Alder Groves, Shea Theodore with the shot through traffic. 2-1 after 1. Corey Crawford was the story in this game. Theodore with a blast from the point. Crawford got a shoulder on it. Third period, Zach Whitecloud with the release labeled for the top corner. Crawford with an enormous save. 46 saves for Crawford. Blackhawks stay alive, edging the Golden Knights. 
3-1. In the East on the ice right now, Shea Weber and the Habs looking to go 2-1 up on the Flyers. Very impressive 5-0 win in Game 2, but no shutout for Carey Price tonight. Close Giroux with the shot deflects in off Jake Voracek. Not pretty. That's the only goal so far. 1-0 Philly late second. And earlier today, Islanders and Caps. Isles with an opportunity to go three up on the Caps. Washington down one nothing, but tied on a second period power play. Evgeny Kuznetsov rips it home. 1-1. It stayed that way into overtime. Washington has the first chance to win it. Jacob Verana with the block in alone, but Semyon Varlamov makes two huge saves in about 15 seconds after that. Isles go back the other way. Jordan Eberle to Matthew Barzell in stride in the Coquitlam product with a world-class move to beat Braden Holtby. Isles win 2-1 in overtime, and they take a commanding 3-0 lead on the Capitals. Baseball from Buffalo, the Blue Jays home this year. Toronto lost 3-2 earlier today in the resumption of a game suspended by rain last night. In the second game, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. with a solo blast in the fourth. No doubt about that one. Measured 415 feet. Flatty's third homer ties it at three. Jays led 5-4 in the bottom of the seventh. Don't forget seven inning doubleheaders in the COVID seasons. Two out, but the Jays with a costly error by Teoscar Hernandez kicking it around like Timmy Lupus of the Bad News Bears allows the tying run to score. It's 5-5 in extra innings. Willie Adamas at the plate, and that is a two-run shot to right center, and the Jays let one slip away as Tampa wins 7-5. Toronto's record slips to 7-11. Final round of the Wyndham Championship from Greensboro, North Carolina. Final chance for players to make the FedEx Cup playoffs. A great story here. Veteran Jim Herman came into the week in 192nd place. You need to get into the top 125. Shot 61 yesterday, and then makes this 58-foot eagle to get him tied for the lead. Late in the round, Herman trailing Billy Horschel by one, but check out the approach at 17 to within three feet. He would make the birdie. Horschel bogeyed the 16th, so now Herman leads. Herman post 21 under, shot rounds of 61 and 63 on the weekend. How's that? But Horschel at 18, a birdie chance to force a playoff, but it slides by, and Jim Herman wins, jumps all the way to 54th. He's in the playoffs. Merritt's Roger Sloan fell short, finished 31st at 9 under. He will not get in. Four Canadians will play in the playoffs. Hadwin, Taylor, Connors, and Hughes starting next week. Spanish Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton starting on the pole, of course, his 92nd career pole. Montreal's Lance Strolls had a breakout season, on board with him here, takes the inside line, great piece of driving. Stroll with another solid ride, just missed out on the podium, finishing fourth. Lewis Hamilton once again, though, in a class by himself. He led every lap of today's Spanish Grand Prix, finished 24 seconds ahead of second place Max Verstappen. Fourth straight year, Hamilton takes the checkered flag at the Spanish Grand Prix, his 88th career win. NASCAR Cup from Daytona, but not the Oval. It's the road course. Kyle Busch's nightmare season continues. Five laps left, and he blows out not one, but both rear tires and crashes into the wall. Bush, still without a victory this year, finished 37th, the fifth time he's finished 30th or worse. Chase Elliott has owned the road courses. This is his third straight road course win, holds off Denny Hamlin for the win. Just three more races left before the NASCAR Cup playoffs. Do they need the 93? Mark Marquez back out there, mate! What's happened here? Oh, oh a huge crash! Oh, 
goodness, it's Franco Morbidelli's Yamaha. We're going to have a red flag. Two no more about the Jaron Zarco. What on earth has happened there? It's on the fastest part of this Red Bull Ring circuit. Red flag. Two motorcycles. Yeah, that's the Moto Grand Prix from Austria. One of the more frightening accidents you'll see. Franco Morbidelli and Johan Zarco colliding at high speed, both thrown hard. And you get onboard view of the collision, the motorcycles hurtling through the air at high speed. That could have been tragic, but very lucky to escape serious injury. Both are okay dealing with some road burns. A scary, scary accident at the MotoGP's Austrian Grand Prix. But unbelievable. There's no place to go when you crash on a motorcycle. And it's amazing that uh, no serious injuries from that. No kidding. Wow. Okay, guys. It's an interesting story. When Ryan Reynolds answered the BC Premier's call for help to fight the surge in COVID-19 cases among young people, you recall, Deadpool's message also included a nod to a 1967 film that appealed to both sides of the generation gap. And tonight, the Robinsons are responding to the Mrs. Robinson throwback. Kristen Robinson has the story. Your aunt tagged Ryan Reynolds' mom <laughs> At this Robinson family gathering, so you think Ryan Reynolds is actually gonna? The conversation revolves around a reference recently dropped by the Vancouver-born actor. My mom, I mean, she doesn't want to be cooped up in her apartment all day. She wants to be out there cruising Kitsilano Beach, looking for some young thirty-something Abercrombie burnout to go full Mrs. Robinson on. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Reynolds alluding to the classic film about a college graduate who has an affair with an older woman. Have you gotten us a room yet? In BC, the son quick to defend his mother's honor. No, uh, she uh, she would not be cruising Kit's Beach. She has a, a loving husband that she loves very much. <laughs> Aaron Robinson tweeting, Leave my mother out of this, Van City Reynolds. Mrs. Selena Robinson would never... What surprised me, I have to say, is that millennials knew who Mrs. Robinson was. <laughs> and BC's housing minister says she's no Mrs. Robinson. The world is changing faster than you. It's not who I am as a person. Uh, just would never even cross my mind. Besides, I'm still happily married. Uh, anytime Mr. Reynolds is, is willing to apologize to my mother for the Mrs. Robinson reference, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Already. <laughs> Joking aside, the Robinsons are serious about doing their part to stop the spread of COVID. There's a consequence for not following the rules right now, um, and it's 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 pretty dire. Um, not only will we not be able to do stuff, but people die. I've been Mrs. Robinson for 33 years, and I'm looking forward to the next 33 years. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. And here's to you, Mr. Robinson, for sitting through this. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Thank you to all the Robinsons <laughs> out there. And with that, we say good night. Have a great evening.